Howdy friends, I'm Mark Lee Morrison and this is the 43rd episode of Low Profile. On this episode, guest host Eli Moore returns to speak with Jeff Johnson of the Canadian indie band OK Vancouver OK. The project has been consistently cranking out a stream of primarily self-released albums since 2005, and their efforts are hard to classify in terms of genre, but they're clearly experimental, socially conscious, and family-friendly. Their latest record at the time of this episode's release is entitled Never Perfect, which is what you're hearing now and can find on their website, okvancouverok.ca. Jeff discusses his band's origins as a solo project in Vancouver, BC, the situations that inform his songwriting and recording process, and bringing his children on tour. Their drummer, Laura House, who's also Jeff's wife, joins in the conversation to talk about the present danger of food deserts. If you like the show and want to hear more, you can find all previous episodes archived at lowprofilepodcast.com. Low Profile receives in-kind support from San Francisco Street Bakery in Olympia, Washington, and generous financial support from listeners like you, giving flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash lowprofile. Before I play you the interview, here's a song from OK Vancouver OK called Collection of Changes from their 2014 album Influences, produced by the homie Eli Moore. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Eli. Welcome to Low Profile. Okay, awesome. Thanks for having me. Um, where are you right now? I'm in Winlaw, B.C., so I'm in the Kootenays. I'm about three hours north of Spokane for uh, for the anyone who's interested. Is that as the crow flies? Or Yeah, as the crow flies <laughs> on the Crow's Nest Highway. I live in a trailer. I'm in the living room. It's a nice layout. The walls are mostly white. There's a ceiling fan and um record player. 
um, nice big window behind me where I can gaze at some pretty large pine trees, ponderosa pines, um, my woodshed, the neighbor's house off in the distance a little bit, not too far, maybe 50, 50 yards away, and uh, mountains through all the windows. We're, we're friends. We, we've known each other for for a long time, and I, I was... Um, I, I was excited to be able to talk to you. Um, I was gonna, I was looking at your, you know, kind of refreshing myself on on your history as as OK Vancouver OK, which is your your band, and it, it looks like this band has existed for seventeen years. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that today. Does it feel like it's the same thing as it did when it's when it started, in some way? Not as when it started, no, because when it started, it was just me, mostly. And with, you know, if I played, when I started playing live shows, then there would be different people playing with me all the time. Never really the same cast and crew. And then when I met with Laura, that became a more permanent player. And then Liza... That was a few years with Liza. So that was nice when it became more like a band that I could count on to meet up with, um, you know, once a week or something to just kind of just Because be it's friends. an interesting band name, like, and I also think that it tells a lot about the band. I was going to see if you could tell, tell me the origin of the band name, which I think seems to tie pretty closely into the origin of the band itself and kind of the, maybe some of the creative impulses behind the, the project. Um, well, the band name was mostly an accident. Um, it was just, I took it from a song lyric, and the song was called OK Vancouver OK, and in the song I say OK Vancouver OK. Basically, um, uh, I got invited to play what, would have, what was the first show, and I didn't have a name yet, and that's just what I went with because you know, I was a little bit um, you know, nervous and it kind of gave me a confidence, I guess, to um, name it and try to perform perform some of the songs. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, okay, let's try it. Okay, Vancouver. Okay. was going to be in Vancouver, so that was the, that's why that name could have been anywhere if I was living somewhere else. You were talking to your audience. It, you know, the band name is, is you. Talking to the audience. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yep. My process at that time was, you know, I had my four-track cassette player, tape recorder, and then maybe I'd sit down and record something that was whatever. And then the next day I would listen to it and make something on track two. Not, you know, I wasn't practicing, I would just add to it. Collage, collage of sounds. And maybe in the middle of the night, wake up again and punch in somewhere and 
express a feeling, and I think that feeling on that track was, you know, okay, Vancouver, okay. Cool. I don't, I couldn't tell you what I was thinking about, but maybe I was ago. just expressing my feeling of that in that time. What album is that, or is that on it? Okay, that's that, on the the balcony. Yeah, okay. the first album. So, were you in bands at the time? No, no, I was. Uh, um, not in any any bands or anything. No, I met uh, met this kid about my age, I guess, in the hometown where I grew up, Chilliwack, and he. I just I don't I don't think I had ever met him before, but he was saying he was looking for a roommate to you know, for in Vancouver. He found a place, and I I said, hey, I'll I'll do that. I wanna I wanna move back to the city again. I drive around, ride my bike around the city at night, and film. Film the city, so that was part of the OK Vancouver OK idea as well. It was not just the music, but I was going to film it. Um, yeah. Yeah, you showed me uh, some of that stuff. It's like maybe a music video or a, just a short film, I guess. You from your yeah. So then era. a little later, yeah, a little later, I did end up meeting a, a person who could help me um, kind of move that stuff off the camcorder and make a little w- movie. And then I put I put one of the songs, OK Vancouver, OK, titled songs to that, some of that camcorder footage. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that period, I, I'm, I'm curious about it. Um, there's a specific emotion that I can't put my finger on or that I can't put a word to that I feel with a lot of your music. Um, the feeling maybe in the end of I've, I've been since I've been a song from Food, Shelter, Water. I Feeling and then the ambient, yeah. There's a. Do you know what that feeling is? Um, well, I guess like for me, and still after 17 years, I don't ever feel like um, I'm an artist who gets recognized by the like the um, you know the inner world or I don't know the outer world. Like there was a guy named Jeff Johnson who played a show in a venue in Vancouver, and people were like, "Oh, you're playing a show? Oh no, that's not me. That, but I should go." So I went to that show. I, I just busk outside a little bit because I thought that was humorous. Make a couple bucks uh, uh, playing outside the Jeff Johnson show. I went in later to the show, and then there was a hardcore band playing. I, I went on stage. Actually, it's a funny memory because I had my acoustic guitar, and I went on stage with the band, and mid, like, growly roar, the, the singer looked at the drummer, and they, they both kind of just shrugged. I loved that moment. I was headbanging. And that kind of, that's that's you? That's your career in a way? Is um, 
that's music. You know, your um, career is a bad word for for what we I'm do. I'm just trying to be. Um, in, I'm trying to be involved with the with the world, but um, yeah, I guess I don't really know what my place is. So I guess maybe just to go back a, a little bit, you you mentioned that you're from Chilliwack. That's a town that's maybe an hour east of Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. Like, I grew up in a smaller town, Yarrow, but yeah, in the same district. How does your childhood connect to OK Vancouver, OK Music? I remember dancing to music in my parents' living room, but my parents didn't really listen to music. See, they had a record player with about 10 records. Couldn't tell you which ones they were, really, but I saw a band play perform at high school. That inspired me to get my first guitar. I got my first guitar... I was 18, and uh, after school, I took two two lessons with um, a music teacher, Mr. Charlie. But it taught me you know, a little bit about fingering and where notes were. And uh, after that, I just taught myself. So I was about 19 or 20 at that time, and then um, played in a band briefly. I took a break from writing songs for a while, and I did some like just self-travel, um, hitchhiking around um, down into the United States, down into California. I really wasn't thinking much about making music for for a few years. I was more interested in seeing more of the world anytime I could. So if I'd get a part-time job, I'd save up some money, and then I would um, pick a place that I wanted to go to see. You know, I'd bring my guitar with me on those trips, I remember now. I, maybe there'd be an open mic and I'd try to, you know, play something that I was noodling around with. So so you traveled a lot, and you and your family have, have toured a lot, more than, than most bands, um, I would say, especially in terms of geography covered. But um, what? how does that, you know, what is... What is touring to you, and and um, how how does it feed into your process, and how is it different from from recording and writing? Well, touring is important for me because it keeps me fresh. It helps me to. I don't like to think I've been to a place and that I know that place. I've been there once, or I want to go back and see it again. I want to I want to see how it's changed. We don't practice a set. We don't. We don't go into a, any show ever playing like with the, with the same mindset. We just, I mean, as a band, or when I play solo, I'm I'm gonna go and I'm gonna feel what it feels like on the on when I walk up on that stage or just moments before. How do people feel like a DJ would do when you're gonna play the next song? And then I can I can feel that. And then I wanna. I, I hope to. Um, involve myself in that in in that room with everybody and make it uh, an experience that will make people feel good you know that's the idea
Have you had any experiences where where it felt good to bring displeasure to the audience? Well, sure. I'm, I mean, it's all happening right right then. I mean, I first. I mean, a show that comes to mind right now is I started off a set doing an a cappella song, and the the bar turned said they wanted to they didn't want me to play anymore because <laughs> it was known as a hardcore venue. <laughs> and so I just I threw the mic on the ground when they tried to pull me off the stage, and I. They the bouncers had to take me out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, you know. Where was that? Or uh, that was in Vancouver. Yeah, Funky Winker Beans. That kind of reminds me. I I don't know if if this will make it into the show, but I I just I feel like you need to tell the monkey costume story. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that one. Love it. I've told many people this story. Well, I mean, for me, I mean, I was a, I was a kid. I started working when I was about, you know, I don't know, eight. You know, I had two paper routes, and I was always taught, you know, stick with one job, you know, and then work your way up, this kind of thing. But you know, when people start treating you bad at your job, you know, the boss or the the manager or the boss's son or somebody, and I had this job at a bakery, and I was the morning baker. Um, and the boss was like. You know, a bit pervy, you know, slapping my butt when I'm pulling out the muffins. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, but I was thinking, you know, I'm going to, you know, they're, not, they're usually there a couple of hours and I'll, I need to make a little money at the time. So, well, anyways, one, I was having also a hard time with a, a relationship. And um, I guess you could say I got pretty, you know, down. And I, there was this monkey suit that I had been lugging lugging around with me and it zipped up had a tail and the hat the hat pull over head and all this i just decided i'm wearing that monkey suit now like i don't care i'm just wearing the monkey suit that's my life i'm the monkey guy so i went to work that morning <laughs> i had slept in the monkey suit woke up went to work in the monkey suit locked up my bike went into work and then i started baking the muffins and my coworkers, they thought it was pretty fun. And anyways, the boss came in. You know, this is a situation. It's the boss's son, right? That's my boss. The owner's son. He's. Anyways, he comes in and he's like, "What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm baking muffins? <laughs> you you are wearing a monkey suit? Yeah." And I had a, I had this like you know beautiful apron on as well. I love it. My look was real good, and um, it was really busy that morning. So the the boss would go back out front and try to help at the till and this kind of thing. Come back. Are you telling me you don't have anything under that? No, no. I just wear the monkey suit now. You see, he goes away. He comes back again. Well, you're gonna have to decide. It's either the job or the monkey suit. And I was like, well, I don't have a choice, right? Because I wear the monkey suit now. So I just grab my stuff and I said bye to my co-workers hey I gotta go I'm out of here <laughs> got on my bike I had this huge chain at that time like you know for my bike huge thick chain like bagels had that around my neck riding through downtown Alberni street yeah how was your day oh, I was pretty good I got fired for wearing the monkey suit <laughs> thank you
you're married to Laura House, uh, your drummer, and um, yeah. you guys tour, um, you know, very DIY with two kids. And it's, I think a lot of people find inspiration from that. You know, you, you're, will be, I've, I've done some, some, a little bit of touring with you guys and played in the band and, you know, we played in, up very far north in, in British Columbia one time and yeah, the kids just kind of, you know, like they, we, they just kind of hang around. Um, Walter was probably um, a year, and and Henry was probably five. Yeah, yeah, maybe one. But I wanted you to talk a little bit about about DIY touring with basically as a family unit, you know, as as a with kids. Well, I mean, for our for our family, which includes Chris Jan in this case. Um, Uncle Jan, as Henry and we call her. Your bass player, Christiane, um, of KMVP, the band. KMVP. Is yeah. her project, yeah. Yeah, that's her project, and Bash Brothers before that. Um, I don't know, it just seems to, it It just work, fits. People take on different roles. Every day is different, but um, in the van, I mean, most of the time I'm doing the driving, um, but everyone can drive, but, you know, I enjoy the driving and, and then, you know, the van is kind of like a living room. Uh, there's a bit of a bed and a couch and there's a, you know, sunroof and, um, lots of singing or reading books if, if we need to, or, you know, screeching or, you know, screaming, whatever, get out of the van, just go for a run, you know, or, or going for a swim, pulling over and going for a swim Henry's first tour, you know, he, he had to, uh, you know, if he had to go to the, to the bathroom, you know, got to pull over and hold hold him and let him go take a poop on the side of the road. Um, yeah, and there'd be, a, you know, touring in Canada, I mean, you could have an eight-hour or more drive till your next show. At so, least. Yeah. Yeah, but... You know, our mindset is like we made a record. Now we got to tour it, and this is our this is what we love to do. We love to be together and and play shows. So it just seems to to work. And at the show, um, maybe like Christiane and I will be the people who are bringing in the gear, setting up the you know the stage. And Laura, she really likes to set up the merch. She really uh, puts a lot of pride into, um, and, you know, the, the right size of the table because we have a lot of merch. Laura makes a lot of her own merch as well and sells that. You know, she does those uh, vagina bags that are very popular. Um, she silk screens them herself. She builds the silk screen. She's really like a person in the in the group who likes to talk with the the um, showgoers where um, I'm usually more focused on um, just making sure I got got all of my equipment in order and you know nothing's broken and all that kind of stuff. That's my my thing. And Chris Jan, um, maybe after she at this time she'll be taking care of Henry and Walter, and maybe they go for a walk. Maybe they go get food. Maybe they go buy some beers. Do the kids like being on tour with you, or do they kind of dread it? 
Um, I mean, at this at this time, they don't know it know it any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, a long drive isn't long for these kids, though. You know, if we have to drive back to Vancouver to see Grandpa and Grandma or anything like that, they know it's three mountain passes. And we're not, like, throwing an iPad in front of their face either. It's like, I always say to Henry, man, it's all happening outside. You know, it's all happening outside. You look out the window, it's all happening. I try to say, hey, like, look at this. We've been down this road before, never looked like this. Look at those leaves, yellow and red and brown. You you talk a lot about um, visuals and how that inspires you. And I wanted to touch a little bit on your path also simultaneously as as a painter. Sure. I just did some painting yesterday. It was awesome. What what do you get out of painting? Well, um, I mean, my technique is put on some music that I want to listen to or something I've never heard. And then it's like, it's a bottle of wine or, you know, some beer. And just let go. And just totally let go. If that means my fingers are going in the paint or... I liked something one day and now I'm going to go right over it. I can do that. Just I, n- I never I never have to worry and there's no one there usually with me. It's all it's like kind of maybe more like recording but I'm just the lighting's right, the music's nice. I'm in like a happy place. I love it and the colors, I love picking bright colors. Um and just like just blend in those colors when a paintbrush has like three colors on it and I do a, a stroke across and it looks beautiful I'm like this painting is done you know and I didn't even mean for that to happen I have no technique really I mean I'm just like squirting paint and and uh, putting it on my you know putting on my clothes or whatever like if, if it's a nice color yeah I've nice noticed um, paint on your pants a couple times <laughs> oh yeah yeah, I I tend to now I use a more of a um a towel to wipe it on. I don't know if that's just me. You should pull out that old apron that you had. Well, you know what I want to do is I want to frame Yeah, I don't have that apron, the one from the monkey suit. Yeah. I don't have that one anymore. It was it was really nice green with little flowers on it, little mauve flowers. Um it's basically I just want like all all my uh Towels that I wipe paint on, I, I want to frame those one day. Your painting came came to my attention around the same time as I, I think we started getting really close, which was when you were on tour. Yeah. I saw you um, in Olympia. You guys were playing in a basement, you know, for a few people, but um, it was the first time I saw you play with a band, and this was when with Laura. And um, okay. the first time yeah. I met Laura, I think it was actually her mm-hmm. birthday, your your wife. Um, I think you had yeah. already been married, in fact. But um, but you were touring with for an album that really got me and Markley, who... who, um, who Markley, everybody knows Markley from Low Profile. Yeah, hi, um, Markley. Hi, he, Markley. We were so excited about this album, Escape the Common People. And I, I Yeah, I was know, so surprised that it, people liked that, yeah. I don't know if it was something about... I don't know if you see it the same way because I liked your previous music a lot, and it it, it brought me in a, to an emotional place that that I really relate to. But Escape the Common People was like a party, and um, there was there was a song that you guys played at that show that I 
might be your biggest hit. I'm not sure, but in terms of, at least between me and Mark, but it's called Nature. Yeah. Have you ever heard of, um, have you heard of anarcho-primitivism? No, I, I, well, I'm, I'm hearing the word, I'm thinking about it, but I haven't heard of it before, no? Well, the thing that I thought was especially interesting um, was this idea that when we started especially domesticating plants, that that was the beginning of property ownership when we figured out how to plant them and and wait for them to grow. Before that, there was these nomadic tribes. Yeah, you'd hunt and you'd gather, you'd move. And if you're a hunter-gatherer and you come upon a group of people that figured out how to plant their own their own wheat or, or whatever it is, you're like, wow, look yeah. at all this wheat. Awesome. And you start yeah. eating it, and they show up and they're like, hey, we pl- that's ours, you know. Yeah. So that was like when the, the concept of this is mine, this is my land, you know, or this is my crop right. anyway, that, that that was the beginning of, of what you know, capitalism, you know, people were like, no, that's not just like a wild cow. That's a cow that like was born from a cow that I like fed we, we for We have some intent. There's some intent behind that, uh, the reason why that's there. And effort. I mean, I was talking with Laura about health science and about, um, like, healthy food. and So we were paying a visit to her parents. Her parents are really cool about me setting up in their living room, my four-track, and using their piano and doing whatever. They don't use that space. So I had some, set up a few things in there, and I, I just came up with that. Baseline, you know, boom, 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 and I made some kind of thing. No lyrics written really yet. And then um, the way I remember it was there was a conversation happening in the uh, the other room, and her parents were having a party, and it was looking a bit fancy, and there was a lot of wine and things going around, but people were having fun and talking really loud loud enough that they couldn't hear me in the living room, just like down the hall, going like, what? Where's the money at? You got some? Well, that's more than most. And I was basically just like hearing their conversation and doing a response. And that's how that kind of started right there. And, uh, yeah, you got to watch out. Someone wants more than you, like the person beside you. And that could have been me walking in the room and, like, filling up my wine glass. I don't even remember. It was just like I had that feeling of that. But also that relates to, I mean, there's a, in my mind, there's that famous mural I saw on the wall, on the wall somewhere in like Ecuador. And there was a mural and it had like a scale and it had the like three white dudes with all this money and the scale was down to the ground. And on the other side, there was like, you know, thousands of people and they were, you know, um, so it just reminded me of that class division, and uh, I think it came out in that at that time in that song. Watch out! Dominant leap, poor neighborhoods. There are many 
Because the stars only go up where rich people will come. Like Choices Foods or Thrifties or Safeway. Save on food. What other name you got, Save on Food? I know you're hiding out there in a rich neighborhood. <laughs> Health science teaches you you don't need doctors. The doctors are just catching a new body down the river. You gotta fix the pool. everyone in the world speaks English, which is, you know, essentially a trend that I see happening, and have since, you know, 10 years ago or more, uh, then everyone can follow the same set of rules, because, you know, I, I always liked when I was traveling, if I didn't understand something, then I just did what my, what my instincts told me to do. If there was a sign and I couldn't read it, I would just, I was fine. I would be like, using my, you know, my other five or six or eight senses that I have. If I, if I saw the sign and it said, like, don't go here, I might not go. That's so boring, man. And it's, I think it makes people more What's Babylon? And, man, just, like, people, I think, oh, man. That's, just, that's, just, that's one of the freakiest things for me, everyone in the whole world saying the same thing. Laura seems really intent on, on saying something. Hi. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say that a lot of that song, I was going to university and I was studying health sciences, including epidemiology, which is the study of like different diseases and how they, like especially pandemics or infectious disease, they were kind of advocating for health promotion at that time, which meant don't eat bad foods, eat healthy foods, and then you won't get heart disease. 
And so everyone seemed to really be buying into this. But what I thought at that time and what we still think now is just that uh, it doesn't have to be or shouldn't be an individual's responsibility to just make better life choices that like our, our whole world and the government and like our society needs to work together. And I guess that's where the class privilege concept kind of came into it. And I feel like that song was really written by Jeff at a time when we were thinking a lot about um, maybe it's not fair to make individuals a hundred percent responsible for their health outcomes when we all know that there's so much more at play for people. Um, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Um, thank you, Laura house <laughs> or e house. Yeah. Oh, me, Laura e house. I, I was just going to, I was going to mention this a few times, but with, um, that song to me, the line that sticks out the most is, um, that I always remember. And, um, the concept that I think is really important is, um, the idea is that if you're poor in America, I don't know what, what it's probably like this in a lot of countries, but if you have food stamps, for example, but you have no grocery stores, then the only kind of food that you're going to be able to buy is chips. Yeah, well, well, that, that line came out of an actual experience being on tour and we we're staying with a band and you know, one of the members is on food stamps and we didn't have any money. And uh, the rule at that time, you weren't allowed to buy anything that was prepared. So like you couldn't buy a sandwich that the store had like put together, like the Safeway Deli might have a sandwich. You can't have that. So food stamps also, that was my first interaction with food stamps and I was not, not pleased. And then since then I've had a chance to hear other people's stories and read lots of things about how families and individuals sometimes really struggle with the food stamps. But I think if you're at a good grocery store, you could make your food stamps work really well. But I'll, like, that's another thing that... Oh, I yeah, you can we, buy... You can buy... If you have a kitchen. Yeah, right. But I also, where we... Like, some of the neighborhoods we lived in are food deserts. And then also being on tour, I think you can relate to this. Sometimes you're like you're at a venue or you're at a place and you decide you're like, okay, we're going to venture out to go get something to eat. And then you realize that like for miles and miles around the venue, there's no where to get like a fresh ingredient. It's all prepackaged or expensive. And those are food deserts. And I think at that time too, just from us not having a kitchen and not having a house um, and not having a lot of money yeah, we were. That was really on our mind, and so I think that's probably where the a lot of those lyrics were coming from. It was just trying to be healthy and trying to have a good life, but then also seeing all these barriers. Thank you, Laura, drummer of OK Vancouver. OK. Okay. Yeah. Well, nice to chat with yeah. you, Eli. Bye. Me too. Isn't she wonderful? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. The reason why I connected Escape the Common People to your painting is because. You painted, mm -hmm. hand-painted every single cover of that album, correct? Yeah, I painted 240. 240. I have, uh, I think I have three left. Yeah. Three left, people. But I have a personal, my, my personal favorite, and then Laura has one, and I have another, another one, yeah. 
So that was kind of, from what I can tell, the beginning of you guys were beginning to become a, a full band. And um, maybe a year or even less after that, we did our first album together. Yeah. Right? That was about... Yeah, Food, Shelter, Water. 2013. 2012. Okay. When we recorded it. And that was yeah. your first... Um, full band album, you know, like it was the first album that you didn't do kind of more piecemeal or as a four tracker, right? Correct. Yep, that was those were practice song first out album where it was like the band and we practiced the songs and then we met up with you and you were you were going to be the engineer. So we rented a, a old hall, an old Grange Hall on Woodby Island, and um, mm-hmm. and it went so fast. We recorded ten songs and in two days, I think, or maybe three days. songs funnily enough is also called food shelter water food water shelter but yeah food just like i just changed the words around look it up yeah i believe yeah, you no uh, i'm not <laughs> <laughs> i knew it was annoying when i did that but it, i was like oh, i'm doing it that's cool know. what do i know i haven't i haven't read maybe that's why you're still underground because no one can uh, moves like that they can't google you oh yeah man. that's my stealth so um, that album was really, um, I guess it talks about food, food justice, kind of, or our dependence on food, you know, um, like the food industry versus, what is the word, being self-sufficient, correct? Yeah. The majority of people are, you know, very dependent on um, the grocery store and, uh, or, in the, you know, the local farmers as well where i live here but you know even the gas station like some people don't even go to a grocery store they just go to the gas station a lot of people around here because that's the closest food source there isn't there is actually an organic grocery store um stones throw away from me too but we're pretty lucky for that actually our proximity to um to those kinds of foods it's expensive but um, I mean, where we live, we have to drive an hour to go to a grocery store. So sometimes you just, you know, it's nice to have options, I guess, for us. You know, we didn't expect expect that out here when we first moved here. Your band started as a four-track solo kind of project. You made two, two slash two and a half albums as a full band. Now I'm doing eight-track stuff, but yeah. Yeah, good, good point, yeah. You're doing, you're recording yourself, and you're playing most of the instruments on the record, but not the live band 
as we've covered, is a very different thing, but um, it's a different art form. I wanted you to talk a little bit about about the the self recording process and and specifically like writing. You know how, how writing as you're recording. I can see that. I'm a parent. You're so judgmental. Here, take this job, no pay or sleep required. In the past, we moved so fast. Now time is catching up with me. I can see that. You're not a parent. No, 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 no. It's no big hassle. Catch up on sleep when you feel tired. In the past, we moved so fast. Now time is catching up with me. I can see that. I'm a parent. Just hang in there. Single income rented cabin. For, for the album Shape Up that I released this year, last year, um, I mean, that actually took me like two years to make. My time uh, having kids and being this, the, the um, you know, main caretaker of the children, Laura is the person who works for the paycheck in, this, in our family. And, you know, and we were living in a, in a 16 by 16 one-room cabin with a loft, um, so to be able to, uh, even start thinking about recording something means that I need to have, you know, a little bit of time because I have to bring out the drums. I have to, you know, set up the mics. I have to take out, take out the eight track. I have to, um, you know, get all the cables, get all the mic stands set up, you know, maybe have to go out to the van to grab the storage of that kind of thing. And then knowing that Laura, who's taking the kids to town, is going to be back probably in about, you know, maybe an hour, maybe two hours, maybe three hours if I'm really lucky. And this is my one day of the month that I'm going to have that chance. So I have to make the album, I have to make a song now. So I'm going to make it now and it's got, and I have to like it, it has to be fun. And then I have to, you know, it has to also be worth it. Like, wh- I'm not going to just make a song. And if if it's like, why am I going to put it into the world? Like, it's, it's also got to mean something like deep. <laughs> I don't know. To, I have to feel it. And then I can see them coming down the hill, down the path from where they have to park the car up on the road. That's my time. And then it's done. And then I feel like if I, if I can work it that fast and, and, have something that I when I listen to it later it's like that's pretty good or good enough then I'm I just have to work with that so that album was like kind of a you know all over the place a little bit but that's what I had to work with I was feeling a lot of pressure on myself being the, the last release Black Part of Light was 2016. It's been four years, and I've been wanting to make more songs. I love making songs. I want to 
make pop songs. I want to dance. I want to like wear a wear a costume. I I like I want to have like I want to like do something really fun. Um but you know for Shape Up it was like just making what I could with that with that space and that in that place. You know you're you're talking about recording yourself which is probably one of my greatest interests is um home recorders, people who record themselves, especially people who record themselves as they're writing. And I think, and you're one of my heroes in that regard, as well as my wife, Ashley Erickson, who's a past guest, and Carl Blau, yeah. and, uh, you know, in, in numerous others. But um, I get the feeling that a lot of what we're hearing, if not all, of, of those types of albums is first takes. A lot of it's first take. I almost rarely ever do a second take. What about singing? Singing, generally, I have to do more than one, maybe two, maybe ten takes, maybe twenty takes, whatever it takes to get to get the uh, sentiment or the the sound of of how I'm trying to express the idea correct in to my mind. And these yeah, are, but these are lyrics that have just been penned minutes before, right? Um, uh, yeah. Or not penned at all. They're just in my mind. Like they're just a thought that I'm I'm working on. And then um, sometimes I'll I'll, I'll just uh, you know improvise through the through the song, the first take. When I'm just like in the moment, I'm like the song is feeling good. I want to say something. I'm gonna just press record and do my vocal take. And I'm like, okay, this is what did I say? Oh yeah. Oh, I like that. Write that down. Jeff, thank you so much for talking to me about your art and life and I think we should go out on a song from your new album Am I Good For You from Shape Up Sure If you wait long enough What happened to you Oh yeah And if you're bound to it honey Well then it's bound to you That's what they say Hey and if you're with it, then you're gifted Oh, yeah That's what I say But what are you waiting for? And well, you know when it has arrived When you work for your money To buy things to stay alive Oh, yeah, I know When you work for your money Keep your life I don't have a clue What that I should do I'm not happy here I don't have a clue Do been listening to Low Profile with Markley Morrison, featuring returning guest host Eli Moore in an interview with the Canadian band OK Vancouver OK. Their website, okvancouverok.ca. 
Eli has been working on a new album with Lake. If you want to stay updated on that project, you can visit laketheband.com. You can find all the previous episodes of this program at lowprofilepodcast.com. I have one more episode coming up this season with an absolute dream guest. I'm really excited. I won't spoil the surprise for you, but I will tell you that they spent some time as a touring member of the Beach Boys. You can follow this show wherever you get podcasts if you'd like to be the first kid on your block to hear it. Catch you in the future, and thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.